Check.
Well, good morning, Mount Zion Church. Those watching online this morning, God bless you. Good to see you, Annika. Wonderful. Come on, why don't we stand at our feet this morning as we begin our Christmas season here at Mount Zion Church. Born unto us this day a Savior. Gifted from heaven to a manger. Time. So lift up your voice and sing out his praise. It's Christmas. Born is the king. Rejoice in this day. It's Christmas. Make a joyful sound. It's Christmas. Let his praise resound. It's Christmas. Will to all the earth and peace divine. All of the earth rejoice. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. So lift up your voice and sing out His praise. It's Christmas. Born is the King. Rejoice in this day. It's Christmas, make a joyful sound. It's Christmas, let his praise resound. It's Christmas, do 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 So lift up your voice and sing out his praise. It's Christmas, born is the king, rejoice in this day. It's Christmas, make a joyful sound. It's Christmas, let his praise resound. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Hallelujah. All right, we got to do it. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. I'll tell you that is too early in the morning for that song. I'm just telling you right now. I'm like, thank God, joyful. I turn, I, for all those who may remember, I turn into Peter Brady. Time to change. I'm the only one who got that. That's okay. <laughs> I'm all by myself. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see everybody here. We have a fantastic day today. We have a baby dedication for little baby Isaac today. And uh, Jack is getting baptized today. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then we have food after service. There you go. 
I appreciate everybody who covered. I had an issue I had to take care of last week, and so many people stood up, uh, really, uh, what is it called? Stepped up. I was trying to say stood. Stepped up and really did a wonderful job. Miss Eva directed and led all the decorations you see, but I know she had lots of help from, from uh, the bishops and from the Coulter, from the Coulters, from the Lottie Coulter, Hostecks, <laughs> and uh, I'm, who else? Hugh was here. Susan was here. And wait till you see downstairs. It's so nice. So thank you all who did such a great job on that. So God bless you. Hey, just want to give you a couple of heads up. Uh, for the month of December, we'll begin back again in January. We take a break on our Wednesday nights. It's just too hectic during the Christmas season. But this Friday, we have our seniors' Christmas dinner. over. Yeah, that is always a great time over at the uh, community. It is the rec center where Jerry lives. So you can see Jerry. Or clubhouse. clubhouse, okay, clubhouse, okay, yeah, club. What kind of a club is it? What, what is the club part? Yeah, but what's the club? It's a mobile home club. <laughs> is it a mobile home club? Well, you call it a clubhouse, but you don't really have a club, do you? So you can't call it a house. <laughs> She's okay with rec center, but I can't say community center. Just keep going? Okay, I'll move along. Go see those guys. It's going to be a great time this Friday. Uh, That's right. I've lost them. I lost them, Bob. I had them and I lost them. Um, Also, at the end of this month, the last Sunday of the year is this year is uh, New Year's Eve day at the 31st. We will do church service, the full service, full service church, not self-service church. Sorry. I don't know. I'm cracking myself up right now. I'm all by myself. Downstairs, we will have breakfast, and we will we will worship together, have fellowship together, food together, and a, a message downstairs. We'll have communion down there. It'll be a great, great time on December 31st. So please put it on your calendars. It'll be a great time downstairs. Um, also, uh, they wanted me to remind everybody we have a case on the back table of the lobby for Christmas cards. If you want to give a Christmas card to anybody or if you've got Christmas cards coming, it's all alphabeticalized and you just open it up and throw them in there or check and see if you have a card in there. That's there. What else am I forgetting, Eva? Is that it? That's pretty good, huh? Oh, don't forget to uh, grab some of these business cards, uh, invites to Christmas. They're all on the back table back there. And also, thank you for moving uh, Virgie's table in. Fire department made us move that because the fire extinguisher's there. But it's a great place for it. If you ever need a resource, there's DVDs back there. There's prayer journals and Bibles, anything you need for uh, the Mount Zion Church home version. So you can go right back there and grab anything you want. So how about we take five minutes and meet and greet one another. And to help you out, I'll put a countdown up there so you know when to get back. Nobody Nobody pays attention to it. I know. I know. So go ahead, Coulter. You on it? There we go. Five minutes.
Look, you got five seconds, and nobody's in their seats. Nobody. Oh, except for Eva, because Eva loves me. The rest of them, they could care less. They're just, they're just busy fellowshipping, being nice to each other. That's weird. <laughs> we have too much love in this room. All right. That's a good thing. Fellowship is worship. God bless you. As our ushers prepare to receive your tithes and offerings, let me just encourage you at the end of the year, this is a great time to consider an end-of-the-year gift. Uh, it's usually the hardest months for us as a church, and we're also trying to plan the budget for next year. It makes it very difficult. If you can add a little extra offering on top of your tithes, we'd really appreciate it for the end-of-the-year giving. And... Um, you know, we're just thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for everything that God gives us. But, you know, without the people, you know, unfortunately we live in a world where you just can't bring in a couple of ox and a sheep and we're okay, you know. We got to pay the bills. And so I encourage you, just like when you said, you know, it's interesting. You will sit down or, or maybe already have, and you've thought about the presents that you have to buy this year. Not the ones you want to buy. I'm talking about the ones you have to. You know those presents? And you try to go, well, what do we want to do? And then you think of the presents you want to buy for somebody, and you think, oh, can we afford that? And you have these discussions back and forth because you want to show love and generosity to the people you love. And uh, I just encourage you to take that same attitude with your tithes and offerings. When you think of God and your gift to him, are you giving him your best? Are you giving him more than, than you probably should do? Because your dependence is on him. It's not about that. It's about where is your priorities? We've talked about it before, right? You check your calendar, you check your checkbook. That tells you where your priorities are, where your time and your money go. So I just encourage you, if you're having conversations about gifts, have a conversation about your gift to God this year. Amen? So, Father, we just ask you this morning to meet so many where they're at today. That, Father, there are people in need. The economy is tough right now. Gas prices are crazy. PG&E bills are insane. But, God, we don't, we don't put our trust in our checkbook. We put our trust in you. And so, Father, I know there are those here today that need, need favor with you, that need a miracle. And so, Father, we ask you to bless this time of worship where we give, where we show you our priorities and our love. We worship you in this way, God. We ask you to bless the tithes and offering. Bless those that are sacrificed today and are taking a step of faith. Bless those that aren't there yet, God, but they have a heart to give. Increase their faith this morning. Show yourself for who you are, our provider. We worship you. We praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of my favorite newer Christmas songs. I know we only sing it like twice a year, but I really enjoy it. So why don't we all stand together as we worship. As we worship together the Lord. Over the skies of Bethlehem appeared a star While angels sang to lonely shepherds 
three wise men seeking truth and traveled from afar hoping to find the child from heaven and falling on their knees they bowed before the humble prince of I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne. Behold the Holy One of Heaven. It's only by your blood. It's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. I give you my best, O Lord. I give you all my praise. And all the saints and angels bow before your throne. And all the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing, you are worthy of it all. 
are worthy of it all For from you are all things And to you are all things You deserve the glory You are worthy of it all You are worthy of it all and from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory all the saints and angels they of it all you are worthy of it all and from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all and from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory you deserve all the glory Night and day let incense arise Day and night, night and day let incense arise Day and night, night and day let incense arise Day and night, night and day let incense arise You are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all and from you are all things to you are all things you deserve the glory you are worthy of it all You are worthy of it all And from you are all things To you are all things You deserve the glory You deserve all the glory, Lord Won't you give them all the glory? 
sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Come on, church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship His holy name, and sing like never before, oh my soul, and I'll worship Your holy name. in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul And I worship your holy name And on that day When my strength is faith draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise
Father, we just come humbly before your throne. Say, will you make this place your home? We're not asking for a visitation. We're not asking asking for a one-time event. We are asking you to fill this place overflowing with your Holy Spirit. We are praying for healing upon people's bodies and minds and hearts this morning. Lift up Eva, keep her healthy before her procedure. Pray for Virgie that you would do the miraculous and heal her body. Pray for Isabel this morning with a problem with her wrist. And God, we would just ask you to get rid of it in the name of Jesus. That you would instantaneously heal it. We pray for Bren this morning. and Lift him up to you and thank you for his life and ask you to just comfort him and Jeanette at this time, that you would fill their home with your Holy Spirit. For those online this morning who have a need that maybe haven't been even, even able to express it, would you touch them and bless them and help them this morning? So Father, open us up to be receivers of your word. Soften us up, God, so we can be moldable and shapeable as we look to you this morning and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Well, I will ask the uh, Hostec family to come forward this morning as we baby, we dedicate little baby Isaac James this morning. So whoever's coming up, if you can find your way up here, we're just a few steps away, I think. Unless you're having a hard time finding it, we're right here. (laughs) Coulter knows where it is. Coulter will be preaching the message today. I forgot to tell him that. Doggone it. Oh, look at the little family. Uh, little, little Benadryl before you came out? Oh, yeah. um, that what happened? Both children's Tylenol? <laughs> Aww, little baby Isaac. Isaac James, my middle name as well, so good choice. And Coulter's middle name. Oh, well, what a coincidence. <laughs> you mean you didn't, it wasn't... <laughs> well, this is a great time. Jesus was dedicated in the temple as well. It's an exciting whenever a new child enters a family, isn't it? It's just exciting. There's no greater moments than when a parent senses that a children that a child is actually a gift from God. In these joyful moments, pastors get to have the privilege of sharing how parents can express their full appreciation to God through baby dedication. Second Deuteronomy makes it clear 
that the duty of teaching children belongs to parents. Amen? A little more applicable today than probably when I first wrote this. Sunday schools can provide weekly instruction. Those are great. But parents must seize the teachable moments that arise through life. Explain the value of prayer. For example, repetition prayers like, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. At mealtimes and before bed, give them practical ideas that they can implement into their daily routines. Nalani and Coulter, we trust that the step of faith you're taking in today will make Isaac one day so proud of your actions. Children are a gift from God, it says in Psalm 127, verse 3. It proclaims that sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. As believers, we're called to recognize children as they belong first and foremost to God. God in his goodness gives children as gifts then to parents. And they not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts are to parents, it is only proper and appropriate that children should be then dedicated back to God. We are told in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. And in Luke 2, 22, chapter 2, verse 22, we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus before the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him back to the Lord. Melanie and Coulter today bring their son Isaac, presenting first themselves and then their son before the Lord our God. Melanie and Coulter, I call your attention to the commands of God recorded in the Holy Scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7, tells us, Hear us, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These are commandments that I give you today that are be upon your hearts. Then it says, impress them on their children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Ephesians chapter 6, 4. This is something my wife got threw back at me all the time. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. <laughs> Instead, bringing up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God's instructions are, plan are plain. Nalani and Coulter, love God with every ounce and fiber of your energy, and then teach Isaac to do the same. As you love God, you will model before Isaac a wonderful love for God that he will want for himself. It's always more caught than taught. Nalani and Coulter, by coming forward before God and his people, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and your son Isaac to the Lord? If so, please respond by saying, we do. Good job. See? You did awesome. <laughs> Having come freely, I ask now that you enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people. So why don't you, can you hold him for a second? I'll take that from you. Oh, he's doing double duty today. Aww. This is a sign of spiritual headship of the family. So that Isaac may walk in the abundant life of Christ, do you, Nolani and Coulter, vow by God's help and in partnership with this church to provide Isaac a Christian home of love and peace, 
to raise him in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline, to encourage him to one day trust Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. If so, respond by saying, we do. We do. Good job. And I ask that the church make the vow as well. There's an old proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. Parents have first responsibility, but parents need help and support of the community. So I direct my questions now to our church family. By being present in God's house today, do you hereby declare yourselves to be the children of God because you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life? And if it's true, respond by saying, we do. Would you all please stand? Having come freely, I ask now that you make the following commitment to those who stand before you, so that Isaac may walk in the abundant life that Christ has to offer. Do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, vow to help Isaac be faithful to God, help teach and train Isaac in the ways of the Lord so that he might one day trust him as his Lord and Savior. If you accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. We do. All right. Well, this is the fun part. I'm going to ask Coulter to close out this. Hey, can you do me a favor, Jack? Can you grab that certificate that's right there on, in, in front of you? Just the top one. Just the one that says baby dedication. You get the other one later. I'm going to ask Coulter to go ahead and pray over Isaac, and then I'll conclude the prayer. That's okay. okay. Good job, Jack. Thanks. God, thank you for, thank you for this blessing, God. <clears throat> you know, a few years ago, I, I would have never imagined I'd be standing here in this situation. And Thank you for everything that you've get, get, given me and my family, God, and the family that we have around us and the community that we have, mm -hmm. God. And thank you for the opportunity and the ability to be of service to you if, as much as possible. Thank you, God. And we pray that baby Isaac can be of service to you too, God, and that he can know you, mm -hmm. know Jesus, and he can walk in your path, God. Thank you. Father, thank you for this family. We ask you to show favor upon them. We ask you to keep Isaac healthy and safe. We ask you to give wisdom to these wonderful parents. Strengthen their marriage. Strengthen their home. And let them build up and raise a son dedicated to you. In the name of Jesus, the church said. Amen. Amen. Good job, you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Where is that? Oh, there we go. I got a little intro video, and then we'll begin our sermon. Go ahead and have a seat. That would be great. Perfect. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait.
This week we are looking at, do you see what I see? We're experiencing Christmas with all of our senses this year. You can always tell when Christmas is coming. Sometimes for me, it comes a little too early. I went into Lowe's. In October, they had the Christmas stuff up. That's just not right. It's too early. And then people sometimes get their trees up before Thanksgiving. That's obnoxious. I think we should focus on Thanksgiving first because it's got the best food. So I've always, how about this? I see, I, I see Christmas stuff up. I, I see all the decorations go up. And then my daughter and my wife, uh, my daughter Alicia and my wife Debbie, uh, they make me watch Hallmark movies in November. I can't stay, my, and they love them so much. They love those movies so much. So you can always see Christmas coming. We even decorated a week early this year, thanks to Eva and me messing up the calendar. Um, but it's true. We can see Christmas. The Old Testament has prophecies. In a way, it functions as the same thing as these things that we see, the signs that we see through faith of the coming Messiah. In the Old Testament, you can look at this prophet Jeremiah, which we're going to talk about today. And he might have seen through faith. Jeremiah would have seen what was coming and calling God's people to respond. And this morning I would insist that God is calling us now to respond in the same way. Just like we would respond if you were cooking at Thanksgiving, sitting in the living room watching football, and suddenly the kitchen was full of smoke. You might get off the couch and go see if something, you might respond. And that's the thing. We have to look at the signs and respond. This morning we're looking at the anticipation, the expectation of hope, the hope of Israel and what Israel had to experience. And they found themselves in a very, very difficult time of life. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 33, the first six, four, or verses 14 through 16. Just a couple of verses, but they're powerful. I want to read all of this, okay? And then we're going to go dig in and look at how the days are coming. The days of hope. The days of fulfillment of Christ Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I had promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Now the problem with jumping into Jeremiah 33 is a problem that I have every once in a while in the house. Every once in a while, there's a movie I really want to watch. And you guys know I love movies. And there's a movie I want to watch. And Debbie says, go ahead and get it started. I'm just going to go take care of a couple of things. And I don't want to do that. Because I know the minute I start the movie, she's going to take longer than I had hoped. And then she just sit down and she's go, okay, so what's happening? Then you got to pause the movie and you got to explain all the things that she missed. Because you don't want to have to go back. Because if I don't explain it, because sometimes I get irritated and Debbie goes, never mind, don't even tell me, I'll figure it out. I don't know if it ever goes like that in your house, but it goes like that in my house. 
But then five minutes later, she'll go, well, who's that guy? And I got to pause it. Okay, in the beginning, this guy. <laughs> well, this is like, what, what, it's like being in the middle of a book. And Jeremiah, if you, if you start in chapter 33, you might be a little disoriented about what's going on. So I want to give a little bit of time to the background of this passage to give some context and framework of what's going on because it's very significant to what he's saying here. The prophet Jeremiah was called by God to warn and exhort the people of Judah. You have Judah in a southern tribe and Israel in the northern tribe. And he's going to make reference to Israel and Judah. But he's really speaking to the people of Judah because the Israelites, as we know them, are already in captivity from the Assyrians. So what you find in this southern tribe of Jews and Judah where these people were living like pagan nations that were all around them. They were just doing all the same stuff. Instead of remaining faithful to God, the people of Judah were just worshiping idols. They were believing falsely. And this is why. Because they said, well, we have Solomon's temple. Dum, da, da, da. They believed that because they had the temple, it didn't matter what they did. So you think about it like this. This is a group of people that believed that because they had a religious building and participated on a weekly basis in religious activity, that it really didn't matter how they lived their lives on a weekly basis because God was going to take care of them. Does that sound familiar? That's not exactly how it works. God is sending Jeremiah to them to warn them. To say, look, you have to heed the commandments of God. You cannot be like the nations that surround you. You must be the people that God called you to be. It's one of the most difficult things in Christianity. You've heard me say it 50 million times over the last 12 years. One of the hardest things about being a Christian is to be who you already are in Christ. The idea is it's a lament or a lament. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. God tells Jeremiah, this is a, this is a great sales pitch that God gives Jeremiah. He says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you to a people that will not listen to you. And they don't want you to come. But the reality is, is when God calls you to something, you have to be obedient to God's call, whether you like it or you don't. In fact, Jeremiah felt the call of God in his life in spite of the fact that he knew he was going to a people that were never going to listen to him and never wanted him to come. I can just imagine 12 years ago, I'm sitting downstairs with the board in the pulpit committee, and they said, look, pastor, we would love to hire you. But nobody wants you here, and they're not going to listen to you. Do you want the job? And that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah even says this. He says, the word of God was in me, shut up like a fire. And I tried to hold it back, but I could not. These people wanted a prophet who wasn't going to tell them the bad news. We live in an age where churches don't want to tell people the bad news. Because they're afraid of people walk out. Oh, I didn't feel good after that service. Oh, tell me something nice, Pastor. Let's talk about love and forgiveness. They want a prophet who's just going to keep on living life. Just live your best life. That's all. Just keep on living it the way you're living it. You don't got to repent. You don't got to change. You don't got to do it. That's what they wanted. But this prophet comes in and tells them what they don't want to hear. And so what they do? They don't listen. They go, la, 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 Jeremiah. 
If you read through the book of Jeremiah, here's what you'll find. It's very full of sad stories and disappointment. It's filled with judgment, disobedience. At certain points, you read about how the Jews were taken into the exile on account of the rebellion against God. But here's what happened. Jeremiah chapter 30 through 33, all of a sudden, everything changes. It takes a turn. If you're reading Jeremiah chapter 1 through 29, all you're hearing is the dark, bad, really sad news. But then you get to this Jeremiah chapter 30 through 31, 33, and you find that there's some good news in the midst of bad news. So if you find yourself here today or online today and you're depressed or maybe you're discouraged, you're not looking forward to the holidays. It's full of anxiety for you. This Advent season, this series is for you. This season is for you because it's supposed to be pointing for us to see the hope, the anticipation that better days are coming for God's people. Hallelujah. I put this on a slide because this is important. In this Christmas season, we find in Jeremiah some ways of reorientating our thinking about what God is going to do in the midst of very difficult situations. Because I believe we live in a time right now where it is not going to get better for Christians. And now they label us, what, Christian nationalist, extremist. I, I don't know. I didn't change anything. God changed me, and I follow him as best I can. But I didn't put a label on my back, did I? Did you guys? Did we vote on that? I didn't. So it's not going to get better for us, guys. But God is going to give us hope. God promises the Jews through Jeremiah that God would eventually return to them and restore them to the land under a truly good, righteous king. And the king would be a king who is a descendant of King David. The book of Jeremiah is written to, to people that don't even have an opportunity. They've never had an opportunity to live in the land because they're headed to exile. Jeremiah is telling them days are coming when God is going to restore you in your brokenness. God is going to give you hope. So that's where we find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 14 through 16. Bad news has been the predominant message, but now there's hope. And there's hope because someone is coming and he's going to change everything. Amen. So our first point in verse 14 is, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel, the house of Judah. Behold, the days are coming. This is, this is a great phrase. I don't, I don't talk like that normally. I mean, I, 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 I don't come home. When my kids were little, I didn't come home from work, open up the door and go, Behold, your dad is home. I might try that. I might try it anyway. Behold, your husband is home, Debbie. And she'll just roll her eyes and say, Fold the laundry, Eric. Okay. But it, it's, it's, it's a verse. It's behold. It's, it's already invoking an anticipation. If someone says, Behold, you're like, what? Behold what? Jeremiah's audience would have known that this was anticipation with hope. 
It's like receiving news that a loved one who has gone from a long trip. I was, when I was reading the verse, I kept thinking of all those wonderful videos with soldiers come home and surprise their kids and their spouses. And it just brings you to tears. That's what the context would be with, behold, the days are coming. The Lord was going to return to his people and restore them. This is significant because Jeremiah's anticipation in exile for these people, they've been removed from their homeland. They were going to be removed from their homeland because of the sin against God. But God was not through with his people, and there's somebody here today or online that he's here, God's not through with you either. Some of these people would be a remnant, would return to the land. Jeremiah is writing to these they're going off into captivity in Babylon. Imagine for just a second that you lived through what they're living through. Imagine living in captivity for 70 years. You'd have an entire generation that never knew freedom. They only knew captivity. Anybody who was under 70 years old, that's all they ever knew. And you get this word that suddenly God is going to keep his promise. Oh, praying grandparents, don't ever stop praying. God is going to keep his promise. You keep praying for it. You keep laying hands on those kids. You keep prophesying over those grandkids. God is telling us today the days are coming. And God keeps his promises. And you would be excited if you were in that generation. Of course you would. You'd be ecstatic. The type of life you were living wasn't just a bad day. It, was, it wasn't even just a bad decade. It was bad decades. But the promise of verse 14 is that days are coming. God is going to fulfill the promise that he made to the people. So what's the Lord going to do? This brings us to verse 15. If 14 says the days are coming, 15 tells us the righteous branch. God would cause a righteous branch to spring up from David. And he shall, he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And for those of us who had been in Wednesday night Bible study for the last five weeks, when we hear righteous branch, we know exactly what he's talking about because we did, just did four or five weeks on studying that Jesus is, is the vine. And, and we, he grafted on us into him. Think about a tree stump, though, that had been cut down but not completely uprooted. Well, it can still be intact are the roots. And if the roots are still intact, some species of trees and bushes can, can continue to grow even when they've been cut down. That's why it only takes faith of a mustard seed. If you're here this morning and you go, well, I believe, but I'm just, I don't have very much faith. I just have a little fact. I feel like I'm dead. I feel like I've been just cut down, cut down, cut down. But you might have these roots that have stayed there and you just don't recognize it because you just feel so defeated. But God, but God, it may look like the tree is dead, but the stump is going to bring a new branch, a righteous branch. And it's going to be of David's descendants. Just because there was an appearance of lifelessness doesn't mean that all hope was lost. And if you've been walking with Jesus anytime, I'm sure many of us could testify when all hope was lost, when it was lifeless. But hope 
was still there. The people of Israel and Judah, they're looking at what they are. They're seeing all around them dead trees. Now Jeremiah is saying the trees aren't dead. There's a righteous branch that's coming out, even though it seems lifelessness. And David's righteous branch is going to come from the line of David. He'll do what is just and right in the land. He will do what David's other descendants should have done. He will exercise justice. He will promote righteousness as opposed to provoking sin and rebellion. The king would uphold righteousness. Why is that significant? Because where the leader of the nation went, so then the people went. God was not done with them, and he's not done with you, and he's not done with us. Amen? (coughs) There's a remnant, a remnant of people that he would redeem. And he would redeem them through this righteous branch that would spring up from the line of David. And this king would not be like any other king. Which now brings us to verse 16. We find the third point. The first point with the days are coming. The second point was it's a righteous branch. And the third point is there will be salvation and security under the true king. According to verse 16, the days were coming when the true king would appear and will lead his people away from idolatry, away from what the world was worshiping, away from sin. He would lead them into true worship in spirit and in truth. He would rule over them with righteousness and justice. And as a result, the people would dwell in safely. They would dwell safely and securely in the land. The people would be saved. Jeremiah, under the inspiration of God, he is speaking prophetically and he says this, this is the name by which she would be called the Lord our righteousness. Which is weird. Because you think what it should say, something like the earthly son of David. Because the promise was we were going to be delivered by a guy in the line of David. But it doesn't say that. It says the Lord our righteousness. But what about David? I thought it was a descendant of David, and he would be the Savior. But now you're saying that God will be the Savior. So God, which one is it? Is it God or a descendant of David? Jeremiah, come on, man. Fess up. What's going on here, buddy? Why would you describe it this way? Who is this king coming? Who will save and cause the people to dwell in security? Who would be this ideal king? And he would be the king that the angel Gabriel promised would be born to Mary. We read about it in Luke chapter 1. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at him, his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will become the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Gabriel gives us the authoritative 
interpretation of Jeremiah chapter 33. What's the expectation? He is expecting a king in the line of David to come. And it's a right expectation. A righteous branch will spring up from David. He's going to be a descendant of David. But the way the passage ends, passage ends it's going to be this. It's going to be God. The miraculous conception. The incarnation of a righteous king being born of a virgin. It's what we call Christmas. God himself took on flesh to dwell among us. The son of David is actually greater than David himself. God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. He will, when, and as he appeared, he would be caused Jesus, see, this is the problem. They knew these scriptures, and Jesus appears, and all craziness starts happening. It causes this big stir because they didn't want a king like Jesus. So many times we as Christians, are, we see those that are lost, and they always say, well, if he's Jesus, he will. If God is real, then he and if God is real, why did he? And we decide to put God in a box and we say this. This is how Jesus the Savior needs to save me. This is how God needs to treat me. And this is my expectation of a king. They had a king in their mind. Israel's, the Israelites and, the, and Judah. They had a king in mind to fit their expectations. They wanted a king that would rule and reign with an iron fist and drive out their enemies from the land. But what did Jesus do? He comes in and says, well, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. They wanted power and prestige, and Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. What did Jesus do? He died for his enemies. He died for you. He died for me. The king did not come to lay waste to us. The king came and laid down his life for the world. Jesus came to show compassion and care for the weak, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. The people wanted a king like themselves. But Jesus gave them a king that they really needed. God knew that his people needed a king that would come down and lay down his life in the place of sinners in order to save them from their sin and to grant them to dwell securely in his mercy and in his grace. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says. For he made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that he might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 14 through 16 tells us that we will not be able to save ourselves, but that God must save us, well that's what Christ the King came to do. The King is coming. The King is coming. You were rebelling against him. I was rebelling against him. And he sent us here ahead of you. To let you know that when he comes, it's not going to be like this first time in humility and meekness. Jesus is going to be coming back this time in exalted glory and judgment of the world. 
But for right now, right now, today, this moment, he's giving you a chance to change sides. He's giving you an opportunity to change teams. He's letting you know that the team you are on is going to lose, but that you don't have to stay on that team. You don't have to be on the losing side of this battle. You can join the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. And so I ask on behalf of that King today, are you ready for the day he comes? Are you ready for Jesus to return? For sure as he came, he's going to come again. Are your hearts prepared to meet the good king from the line of David who will reign forever? The fact that you're even hearing this message today, or maybe you're watching at a later time online, just that fact is evidence of his grace and his mercy towards you. He does not desire for any to perish, but that we would all come to faith and repentance and trust in him. This is the sign for you. For you. The angels announced it to shepherds, but surprisingly, the angel, the shepherds found a baby and not a warrior. Have you been making Jesus into your God? Have you decided the expectations on the king? There's so much more than what we see to Christmas. Anticipation plus hope equals expectation. And we can expect the hope that's burning in us today that Jesus is coming again. And you know, so many people are interested in End times, revelation, the dates, when's he coming? Oh, look what's happening in the Middle East. Look what's happening in China and in Russia. Look what's happening around the world. Look at the division in the United States. What's happening to the economy? Oh, look at all the evil in the world. What's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. When do you think Jesus is coming back? It's coming soon, huh? You know what? Book of Revelation doesn't change anything. The only thing it should change is the urgency in what time we have left to show the grace and the mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ to those that are lost and hurting. Those who need a Savior to be saved from their sin. That's the only thing end times changes is the urgency. And I hope you're urgent for it, for those that you love. While we stand to our feet and I'll close us in prayer this morning, then we're going to baptize Jack. Where are you, Jack? Jackosaurus, if you want to make your way in over there, that'd be great. Jackosaurus. Well, you, you didn't like Jackopotamus. Over there, you can go over there in that office right there, and I'll meet you over there. Is that cool? Okay. I'll send the waitress in later. It's so good to be in the family of God this morning. If you're not, if you're watching online and go, I want that. I want that hope. I want that anticipation of hope. I want that expectation. I want a Savior in my life. I want to know when Jesus comes back, I am going to embrace him and look forward to it. I am not, it says every knee is going to bow in the book of Daniel. Every knee. 
And some, some people in this room, some people online are going to be in fear and trepidation, scared to death and bow out of that. And hopefully if you've received Christ, you will bow in reverence and awe and worship your King. So Father, this morning, I thank you for the hope that even in, when it all looks like everything's dead around us, when it seems lifeless, that God, you can spring up new life. When we receive you in our hearts, God, we reckon the old man dead and we receive a new life in Jesus. And for anyone watching online or here today, if you've not received Jesus, it's a personal decision between you and God. And it's a very simple thing to do. You repent. You turn the other way from the life you've been leading and you turn towards God. And then you believe in faith that Jesus will save you because he died on a cross for you and your sins. His blood was shed for you. His body was broken for you. And with a little bit of faith, you begin to pray, God, forgive me. I ask for you to be in my life, to be in the center of my life. Father, I pray that you will just change me, shape me, mold me into your image that I will reckon the old man dead and I will accept this new life and reject the old. That I will follow your ways and not mine or the world's ways. That God, you would give me a hunger for your scriptures so I can get to know you more. Repent and believe. That's not some prayer you're going to say up at the altar. That's at your own personal altar. And I encourage you to say it and to believe it and to turn from your old ways and turn towards Jesus. He will never fail you. His love will always be there for you. And it will always have an expectation of hope. Father, thank you for today. And as we fellowship continues and we baptize Jack, I ask you to bless this time. And when we go downstairs and we have some food, that you would bless the food and bless our fellowship. As we celebrate Jack making a public announcement of his faith, the guy, we would too be bold and courageous in our faith. No matter what the world labels on us, we will never stop doing our assignment where we've all been called to preach the gospel. All of us. In Jesus' name, the church said. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, I got to do one thing. If you guys could be a little patient with me. I want to... Oh, who's up there? I can't see the, the lights there. Okay, hey, Lionel, on that camera, the other one, can you... No, the other one. Can you zoom it in on this? It's just turning that. Thank you, Lionel, for being up there. No, we're not going to do that. I'm just kidding. Give us a, okay, if you could just zoom it in over here a little bit and then raise the screen up and then I'll go get Jack and throw him in the tub. Okay. Jack, you back there? <laughs> yeah, I lost him. Oh, I forgot to turn off the screen. That would be weird. Okay, you can lift it up though now. Thank you. By the way, the sound you're hearing is what my body sounds like when I get out of bed in the morning. 
That's it. That's it right there. That's it right there. I love doing baptisms. Where you at, Jack Attack? Here he is. You can go around the other side. Just right in front of the baptism. There you go. All right, Jack. You go in that door. Door number one. No cannonballs. Okay. Is it warm enough? Pretty cool, huh? All right. Stand in front of those guys. All right. Stand up. There you go. Jack. Everybody. Everybody. This is Jack. Give him a wave. There you go. Jack, here. Come here. What brought brought you here today? What? What brought you here? Why are you here today? Um, I don't know. (laughs) Do you you remember? Will you stop swimming? (laughs) Do you remember when we talked about why you wanted to be baptized? Oh, because I want to be closer to Jesus. There you go. There you go. Amen. Go ahead. Give him a clap. That's encouraging. Well, Jack, baptism is, okay, no more laps. You got to love it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be Jack if he was just straight right here, huh? Jack, this is an opportunity. You're basically telling people, I want to share the gospel. And this is representative of your new life in Jesus. Do you understand that? Okay. So, now what I'm asking you to do is put one nose, close your nose. There you go. Put your nose right here. Jack, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. All right. Good job. Well, while he's doing laps, we'll all head downstairs and fellowship together and celebrate Jack's baptism. Are you going to swim? Is that what you're doing? So go ahead. God bless you. I'll see you downstairs, okay? Thanks. What are you doing?